1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1. When you have it, stand with me for the reading of God's word. It says it like this. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters. <laughs> Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. He liked all kind of ites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. And after God told them, Solomon, nevertheless, held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. Verse 4, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. I have been trying to preach this message for several months. I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's one of those. I'm not going to ask you to look at your neighbor because I don't want you to say this to your neighbor because it may cause a little conflict. But today's message is entitled, I Want a Divorce. The Israeli monarch that we hold in high regard and regal estate is his grace, his eminence, King David. His poetry, his music, his military prowess is one we cheer, we quote, we sing, we sculpt, and we even imitate to this modern day. They sang songs about his victories even before he had ever been enthroned. Singing songs like, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Even the golden beauty and the architecture of his palace overlooking the cliffs of Jerusalem during his reign was coined the name City of David. In the midst of all of this majestic historic imagery, let's not forget that there is blood in the corridors of the palace. Because of David's sin, 2 Samuel 12 and 10, Nathan prophesied that the sword would never depart from his house. In other words, violent death would plague his life and the life of his family. One hard truth is, this is a hard truth, but it's a truth. Forgiveness does not always eliminate all the consequences. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God has forgiven you, God has forgiven you but, it doesn't mean but it doesn't mean there's no reaping. There's no reaping. Come on, Bishop. David ended up with battles from within and from outside of his household. But as we look ahead, there is hope in the wings of succession. Yeah, it is. Uh, look at someone and tell them, there's redemption in my seed. That's why I got stirred up when I saw the children around the altar today praying and dancing and crying because 
the mere fact that they're standing here at the altar means there's potential redemption or success or a future that's in our seed. David wanted to build God a temple. He did, especially seeing how well he did with his own palace. But God rejected the notion. You see, we elevate skill and we elevate talent and knowledge above character. But with God, he'll take good character and refine somebody's skill. This is why I'm working on my character. I want to be the same exact person at home that I am at work. I don't want to be nice to church people and nasty to my family members. Tell your neighbor that's a character issue. I don't want to sit under the word, run around the church, and then stand with tithers with an empty envelope. That's a character issue. When you can't sit, when you can sit with people and laugh and talk and turn around and then verbally assassinate them behind their back, that's a character issue. Tell your neighbor, I'm working on my character. When you chase people down for your money, but you dodge your own bill collectors with no intention of paying them back. That's a character issue. Okay, I'm going to let it go. Oh, no, no, one more, one more. When you park in the handicapped spot, using your grandmother's parking decal, that's a, park, that's a character issue and a parking issue. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna let it. Okay, no, no, one more, one more. When you complain about your food in the restaurant because you don't want to pay for it, that's a character issue. All right, let me move on. Okay, one more. Don't when you don't when you, when you don't when you don't tip your server. with your church clothes on. Talk about how good service was. I don't care how the server was. Oh, she not getting none of my money. Oh, well, her nasty. I don't care how the server was. How she served you is a reflection of her character, but how you tip her is a reflection of yours. Gratuity means grace. Tip her. Tip him. Uh-oh. I know you are anointed. I know you are skilled. I know you are gifted. You know a lot of people, but character matters. This is why I speak to the preachers and the artists and the itinerant instructors, the stylists and the cosmetologists in this room. We live in a culture where being booked is a thing. Some people invest in marketing and invest a lot of money into managers. But I say unto you today, if you listen to me, if you take care of your character, God will take care of your calendar. I speak to you as entrepreneurs and real estate agents and contractors and brokers. As you work on your character, God is going to release contracts because character matters. See why I didn't really want to preach this message. But God said to David, 
your hands can't build my house. You got blood on your hands. But I'll use your son. Solomon, the son of Bathsheba, an undisputed dark-complected man. Solomon. God brings Solomon to the throne and builds God a magnificent house. Solomon used the best architects, the best masons, costing an estimation of over $300 million. In his reign, Israel came into a season of peace with her enemies. Under the administration of Saul, there were great wars. Under King David, there was much bloodshed. But now under Solomon, there is peace, but not the God peace. This is a peace that came with a cost. Strange women. You see, they were called strange or foreign women, not because of their color, not because of their nationality, but they were called strange because of their practices. Their belief system, their religion. They worshipped other gods. Uh, don't y'all get uncomfortable with me in here. I got to preach what God has given me. Uh, and any, any worship outside of the worship of the true and living God should be labeled as strange. Let me be clear with you at this juncture that my message uh, today is in reference to other religions. It's not necessarily the monotheistic religions or the multiplicity of faith systems all over this world. Uh, yeah, those, but I'm focusing on the idols of our culture. Tell your neighbor, we have idols in our culture. You see, instead of fighting his enemies, he came into covenant with them. Instead of conquering them, he married them. And what's the danger of this? When we come into covenant with this culture, we also come into covenant with its gods. Help me, Corey Williams, because I'm out here by myself today. And this is the picture of the westernized Christian church. You see, Solomon never denounced the God of Israel. Uh -uh -uh. He never denounced God. He never denounced Jehovah. He just made accommodations for the other ones as well. Oh, help me through here, Holy Ghost. Not only did he build a temple for Jehovah, but he built a temple for Ashtoreth. He built a temple for Molech. He built also temples for other gods. I know you think your relationships with this culture doesn't affect you, but it does. The Bible implies that Solomon was just being diplomatic in the beginning. But as time went by, these relationships caused him not to be totally devoted to God. We have shifted from diplomacy to entanglement. We have shifted from diplomacy to compromise. Something has happened where we desire the affirmation of the world. I'm telling y'all. Did y'all hear what I said? We have come to the point where as believers, we beg to be affirmed by the world. Where being a believer, where being a Christian, 
Well, being among the sanctified is seen as something that's not relevant. So we dummy down our doctrines. We become quiet about our faith. And we hate being called churchy. What's wrong with you? Well, you want to be affirmed by the world. We brag. I'm serious. I... I got up in church one Sunday and said, I know how it feels to cry till you have no more tears left. And the video went around. I mean, the video went around. And I said, keep going. Don't, you know, keep going. Keep going. And it went around and some people were like, hey, man, this was powerful. But one secular artist reposted it. And then church people came out the woodwork because I wasn't relevant until somebody in the secular world affirmed it. Some of y'all would skip over your friend's prophetic message to like a halfway inspirational word by somebody that cussed. Y'all not saying nothing in here because you want to be affirmed by the world. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, we don't need the world's cosign to be right. We don't need the word. Hallelujah. God's word is true all by itself. So this means we are now, we are now cultural Christians. This means we have dropped the cross at the expense of taking up the culture. We're now more brand ambassadors for the culture than we are Jesus. And because of this, it has shifted our thinking, changed our theology, warped our morals, and paralyzed our convictions. Now, you know, our women used to testify that I'm saved and sanctified. Now they're declaring I'm saved and sexy. Don't you know the word sexy means to arouse sexually? Be attractive to the masses, but be sexy to your husband. I don't care what the culture says. Divorce that. Divorce Divorce, there's a part of a woman's body that only her husband should see. I know y'all not going to like nothing I'm saying today, but I got to preach this message because if I don't preach it, we won't hear it. There's a print in a man's pants that only his wife supposed to see. It's called a treasure and everyone don't supposed to have the key. This culture, tell your neighbor, divorce that. Divorce that. This culture acknowledges that bacteria on Mars is considered a sign of life. But in this culture, a heartbeat in a woman's belly is not. I want to say to everyone in this house, y'all know my ministry, every woman, every woman that has ever had an abortion who's watching online or in this room, there is therefore no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ Jesus. And just because you had one doesn't mean you should move your moral compass to acceptance. No matter who did it, it's not right. And anyone who did it will tell you that it's not an easy way out. In this culture, a five-year-old, before knowing their multiplication tables and division, can decide what gender they want to be. Divorce that. See, because what happens is, we as believers, we start sitting watching TV, and we go, this world tells us tolerance means acceptance. Got to divorce it. This culture determines truth based upon what it feels. But believe us, we determine truth based upon the word of God. And I say unto you that under the sound of my voice, hallelujah, everybody that's under the sound of my voice is watching that if you have an attraction to the same sex, your sin is not greater than anyone else's. Don't you let church people make you feel worse than they are. Hallelujah. I don't listen. Your sin. I don't care. Your sin is not greater than anyone else's. But remember, it's still sin. Y'all pray for me because I don't know what this video going to do. But, but it's the culture that tells you to make your sexual arousal synonymous with your entire identity. But the devil is a liar. I declare to you that you don't have to accept it. If you are a believer and you are struggling with your sexuality, I want you to be free today and I declare to you that your goal is not heterosexuality. Your goal is not heterosexual. Your goal is not, Lord, bless, give me the feelings for the other sex. Don't, don't even worry about that right now. Don't even worry about an image. Your goal is not heterosexuality. Your goal is holiness. By which no man can see the Lord. Because just because you're a man that desire a woman don't make you safe. Hallelujah. And if your feelings don't change, and if your, I gotta preach this, if your feelings don't change while you're waiting on deliverance, God will give you discipline. The culture calls this suppression, but as followers, we call this a decision. This is a decision to please God. You don't love God until you have to make a decision against yourself. Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and said Lord if it be possible let this cup pass from me but he said nevertheless not my will what you say you're a believer but what have you laid down what sacrifice have you made in response to his sacrifice oh, be to God. tell your neighbor divorce it get up off of your yoga mat If you want to stretch, stretch. If you want to meditate, meditate. 
No, see, see, what happens is we adopt stuff in culture and languages without knowing the root of it. I've been to India, the home of yoga, the largest pagan worshiping country in the world. It's not just stretching for them. It's their attempt to achieve moksha, which means freedom from death and the rebirth of the law of karma. And whatever system you subject you yourself to, it's the system you're going to eat from. And I can't afford to eat from karma because if everything in my life hit me that I ever did, I might as well stop right now. I don't go with karma. I go with Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. In the words of Pastor Matt, he asked me one time, how much darkness do we have to expose our children to in order to bring them to light? Because we start feeling like, okay, well, I don't want my children to be naive. I want my children to be exposed. But how much exposure to darkness do you need to give them in order for them to see the light? We are impressed by the devoted followers of other religions. But see them Jehovah Witnesses, they we're impressed. We're impressed. But let's remember that there are some things that devoted Hindus will not do. Or oh, you're impressed by them, but there are some things that Muslims will not participate in. There are some things that devoted Jews will not eat. But with all of our freedom, some of our liberties have put us in bondage. Everything that is lawful is, y'all hear me? Everything that is lawful, Ontario, everything that's lawful is not expedient. Tell your neighbor, divorce it. Listen, I, I don't mean, and I want to be clear, I don't mean, Danielle, I don't mean isolate. I don't mean do away with it. I don't even mean don't embrace the culture to a certain extent. Because you can't reach a culture you don't embrace. I'm even telling you, use the culture. Preach from it. Thank y'all for praying for me a while ago. I've been under some strange warfare lately. Because I've been tapping into some new regions. I'm telling you to use the culture. Preach from it. Stand on it. Use its language to communicate. Use its innovation to reach. I'm not telling you not to embrace it. I'm telling you not to marry it. Tell your neighbor, we belong to another. You don't have to take them by your bedroom to get them to the altar. You will never successfully win over someone you lay over. We need to put our relationship with the world back in perspective. We are priests and we are kings. Kings mean we rule over. Priests mean we serve them. So in order to take your rightful place, we must redefine our relationship with this culture. Because marriage is a partnership. Marriage is covenant. But I'm preaching to you. But, uh, but do whatever you want to do. I actually might be wrong. I actually may be wrong. And while I'm standing here and I comb over this message, I, I'm, I actually may be wrong. But I might be right. No, no. What I'm preaching, because you think about it. You, you, you think about it. Who wants to preach messages uh, about God's standard of relationship and holiness? 
It don't sell books. And it even puts you under a microscope. And so many prophets now are hid in caves from Jezebel because Jezebel is intimidating. Jezebel said, hold on, no, 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 no. Don't you preach against that. I'll come for you. Jezebel says, ah, 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 don't you change among your friends. You got to hold on to them. Even though I'm, God is shifting something in your life, you got to hold on to them because if you pull away from them, they may tell your business. But I want you to be free today. You will never go wrong standing on the right side of God. Hallelujah. I don't care what somebody got on you. You better hold on to the cross. You better hold on to holiness. You better stand on the way of righteousness because the nation succeeds when the righteous rule. We don't, we don't want, we don't want to be inconvenienced. It's easier to go with the flow of the culture. It's easier. So, 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 so. so what does revival look like? Well, if you look through the scriptures, revival looks like Nehemiah building a wall for Jerusalem. That's what it looks like. Rebuilding the temple, reestablishing worship. That's what it looks like. But in the book of Ezra, I saw something very strange. It's around Ezra chapter 10. It was um, when it was time for revival. The Bible said they got together and says, how do we get back to God? They had a meeting. God was calling them back, but they had to have a meeting among themselves. And says, hold on, how do we get back on? Because I was sharing and, and, and I love our generation because we are embracing gifts of the spirit like the generations before us did. Even in Pentecost, like, when I was growing up, they didn't have no pro prophetic training classes. Come on, Wednesday night we'll have a prophetic apostolic training. What in the, what is that? You, you got on your face before God. You fasted. And you prayed, and you might come out with one word after that. What did the Lord say to you in three days? He said, uh, live. It was, it was such a reverence that somebody was speaking tongue and we would have to hold them up and they would come out with an utterance. So I love the ability that we now have, we are advanced more and more intellectually and embracing scriptures. But how are you going to sit to learn the prophetic and you haven't burned your ox cart yet? We keep on talking about Elisha got the double portion. But Elisha receiving the double portion at the end of the ministry of Elijah is connected to the fact that Elisha burned his ox cart. That means he took his livelihood. He took his identity and said, here God. Some of us can't be used by God because we're still holding on to ourselves. Use me God as soon as you let go. I mean, no, as soon as you let go. So what does revival look like? I saw rebuilding of the temple and all of that. But you know what revival looks like among these people, they said. Y'all know what we got to do, right? The men said around here, y'all know what we got to do. Oh my goodness. 
I can't believe we're going to do this, but y'all know we got to do it. It's something hard we got to do. We got to get a divorce. What? No, y'all got to read it. Y'all read it later, because like I said, I could be wrong about all of this. And some of the stuff we, we're holding on to in our culture and still trying to make it okay, I may totally be wrong. It may be okay. So don't take a preacher's word for it. You better know God for yourself. But I'm only responsible for what I preach and what I teach. Now, you got to live it after you all, but I'm only responsible because I'm going to live after this, all right? Because I got to work out my own salvation because the word comes to me first. They said, we got to get a divorce. They said, we married these other women. Mm. And not only did they divorce the women, but they sent away the kids. You read that. It is, it is, it's crazy. In other words, they said, not only I'm getting rid of what I came into covenant with, sending that away, but also the fruit of it. What was produced. Oh, because, you know, this is how some of us end up getting delivered and keep going back because we keep holding on to the fruit. This is why God told Israel, kill all of them, because if you let the children stay alive, they'll grow back and repeat the cycle. And so I'm going to tell you, so y'all can imagine why for several. So you can understand why for several months I didn't want to preach this message, right? Because I'm all about marriage in our church, right? Right. So I didn't want to use the word divorce at all. Because I, I counsel couples in our church and I don't believe in divorce. I don't, I, I don't want people to be divorced. And so I struggled with it. On my way to church today, the Lord began to speak to me. He says, no, no, no. That's the problem with some of the marriages in the ministry. That's the problem with some of the marriages. That they need to get divorced. Because some of them are still married to others. Married to other things. And they'll wonder why their marriage is not working. It's too many people under the hoopah. Hallelujah. Maybe only, maybe there's only two names on the certificate. But how many names is on your spirit? My, and I know some of you, you feel like the only, that what's wrong with me? The only thing that's wrong with me, all I need to do is get married. But let me tell you something. A wedding ring and a reception does not deliver you from lust. You need to get all of them people out of your spirit. You need to get all of those fingerprints off of your body. Get them out of your room. Get them out of your room. And when I say get them out of your room, they may not be at your physical address, but get them out of your inbox. Stop following them. Get them. Oh, come on, somebody. Stop playing the songs. Stop repeating the stories. Delete the, delete the text thread. Divorce it. Divorce it. And that is our struggle with our covenant with God. That is our struggle with our covenant with God. Really? 
Because we keep talking about this is so hard. This is so hard. The Bible said the way of the transgressor is hard. What's hard is that you trying to have your lips to Jesus, but your heart somewhere else. That's why it's hard. And I'm preaching this, and some of you will sit in this room and you will make this, you will make a decision not to obey God. No, really. Well, okay. Because your decision not to obey God is a you know, when you make a decision you're not gonna obey him, that's a decision to reject the word. No, 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 really. Because I know what it is to be in church and in ministry. And and this is my thing. This is my thing. Mm. I know what it is to be a backslider. And the only challenge is, you do too, Darius. Uh-uh, don't you do that. Um, you do, Marlon. I, you know, we grew up in church. Uh, come on, Claude. Y'all church babies. Come on, Nicole. We church babies, right? When did you ever go six months and was not in church? Never. But your feet can be in the temple. Shabbat. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your feet can be on this platform, singing every Sunday, playing them instruments, standing at this podium, being on the camera, ushering at the door. Who's got your heart? And I'm going to say something very complicated and we can talk about it another time Uh, because I don't I don't know if it's scripture. I can kind of pull it together if I need to, but I don't want to try to stretch scripture, all right? So I'm just, Paul says, now I told you what the Lord said, that this is me, all right? I believe it's possible to love two people at the same time. <laughs> Let's just talk, me and you, Kia, because you, you real with me, so like, <laughs> I think it's possible. Whether you call it love, infatuation, or just feelings. I think it is. I think it is. I think it is. I think it's possible to be what the Bible says, betwixt. Between two opinions. Because some of you, you had options. But at some point, you had to make a choice. It don't mean I hate you. As a matter of fact, there's a part of me that's still pulling towards you. But at some point, I have to make a sober decision. Because I can't live in between. I can't be with you and then running across town. I can't. Y'all say it's hard to live right. It's hard to live wrong. To keep covering your tracks and covering your lies and turning over your phone and turning the light down and looking over your shoulder logging out with fake IDs and profiles that becomes complicated corroborating stories 
trying to remember what part you told and who did you tell. So you got to make a decision. And that's what, that's what Elijah told them. Hey, Israel, y'all got to make a decision. He's already made a decision about you. Now it's time for you to make a decision about him. Because God is saying to Israel, I'm not willing to share. Y'all know, we always quote Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is what? One Lord. The next verse says, and you shall only love him. Only him. Only. Only me with all your heart. So he's saying, I'm giving you a space to repent. I'm giving you a space to choose me. I couldn't wait to September to preach this. He says, you get ready to come into a new season of your life and you must make a decision. Do you want it? Do you want me to go in with you? No, no. You're coming into a new season of your life. Do, do you want me to go in with you? Make a, he said, make a decision. So this is how you make a decision. I told y'all last two weeks. Peace. This may be exciting, but it's very toxic. Sin is enticing. Can be a little thrill to it. But after you go over there, See, some of it comes to maturity. Because the older you get, the more you appreciate consistency. The older you get, the more you appreciate things being in place. The more you appreciate. Now, I have my three on and I'm going to plan it. I'm going to schedule it. Come on, y'all not saying nothing to me in here. Um, that's exciting but I can't count on it it can't support me mentally spiritually and I know I'm talking about Jesus but some of y'all might want to come on in the natural realm or financially you can't you ain't gonna live in the bed are you at some point somebody gotta pay some bills Renaissance, come looking for that bed. No, 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 no. You want something that's going to give you hype for a moment. Are you going to go with something that's going to bring you some sort of longevity? Wholeness. Healing. Because a thousand women. That's a lot of women. A thousand? 
Some of y'all having a time with one. A thousand? A thousand. A thousand. He had peace. But look what price he paid. It started out diplomatic. It started out just being friends. It started out, I'm just being there for you. It started out, we can just hang out because I'm going to have a, an effect on them. I'm going to win them to the Lord. Now you don't even talk about the Lord with them. And they used to apologize when they said certain things around you. But now they don't have to anymore. Because now you say what they say. Divorce it. Divorce it. Because when you don't, one day you'll look up and say, look, I got all these temples. I done built all of this. Even got a temple to God. But he ain't there. Because at some point, when you keep on feeling like you can do the one that's consistent wrong. Oh, y'all, y'all don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't say these scriptures anymore. The Bible said it's going to come a day where you're going to knock. All right, I'm back again. I know, I, I know I said I was going to the store and coming right back, but um, you go knock. You know what the Bible says? He going to knock back. That you're going to say, anybody home? And he's going to say, anybody home? Y'all laughing, but that, that would be a scary moment. And, and you can't say, God is so cruel. God, you know, God killed all them people. God killed all. He took a flood and he flooded the whole earth and killed all them people. That ain't right. Really? It's not? See, because the God of the New Testament is gracious. But the God of the Old Testament, he just killed people. Really? How many years did Noah preach it was going to rain? Over a hundred years warning people. We focus on the day it rained and ignore the opportunities. He just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm finished, y'all. I know this was one of those messages. He just destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Really? He starts saying, okay, if I can find 50 people, I'll save the whole city. Okay, 40. Okay, I mean, he... And so, when things happen in your life, and it ain't happening for you, and it ain't working out, and you like, I, I go to I go to church, and I've been, you know, I've been praying, like things ain't happening for me, and I just y'all say, is this God thing working? Don't blame this one. Blame the other one. I'm finished. No, no. Blame the other thing that you serve. How 
is it that this God, hallelujah, while you stay gone half the night, how is it that this God that's still in the same place you found him, he gets blamed when things don't work out for you? Blame the one you haven't divorced yet. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.